Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I got a really... um, you know, it was a beautiful email from uh, Brian Cranston when he uh, realized that I'd signed a contract extension. And he sent me an email, and it reads, uh, Congrats on the extension. Glad to know that I'll be able to tune in for the foreseeable future. Of course, I won't tune in, but it's just nice knowing that I could. Cheers, Brian Cranston. The great actor joins us now. That was wonderful, Brian. I really uh, I applaud and thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Oh, my. You had to read that quote. Huh? A little a little jest, a little a little humor in the morning. Mm, OK. All right. Yeah. Um, so How are you? I'm good. I'm good. But uh, I saw you out at the uh, Screen Actors Guild, uh, you know, that uh, you guys are on the picket line. And I thought it'd be great to just kind of summarize what are the main points that the everybody is, is striking for or about in Hollywood? Well, there are several that we have uh, significant um, distance between uh, the the actors and the AMTPP, which is the the producers uh, guild. So what we're what we're looking at mostly is, of course, wage increases. Uh, this week, the New York Times just put out a, an article about how much rent in Los Angeles have gone up since the year 2000, 35% on average. And yet wages have gone up only 6%. So it, does, it doesn't take a mathematician to realize it's un, untenable to, to go at that pace. So yes, we, we do need to catch up with, with our wages for the rank and file workers. Um, on, on a broader, more macro uh, point of view, we're looking at AI with with that really problematic scenario, you know, we've, we've dealt with AI in many cases at the grocery store, you have self checkout and things like that. Um, uh, ATMs when, when you and I were young, if you needed cash, you had to go into a bank and get a cat. So there are, there are definite benefits that have come with AI. Sure. 
But when it takes uh, the place of human beings in, in creating actual product, in my likeness and my voice, uh, in, in constructing a, a, a story, a screenplay, a play, then you're, you're usurping the humanity of it all. Uh, you're, you're, you're taking away the intellectual property that is actually created by these people. So they're, they're significant and they're problematic, but they're not unsurmountable. We can come to the table and, and make this happen. Um, our, our leadership at SAG-AFTRA has presented that as um, a willingness from our part to meet with them at any time. And they basically have said that they felt us going on strike was an aggressive and unreasonable action. And we had to, you know, remind them that that's not. It's a right of every American worker to be able to stand up for themselves. How is this going to affect content over the next couple of years? It's going to affect it greatly. Um, they're in a process of using up their content now, and uh, there'll be a backlog. So as of right now, there, is, there are no productions uh, going on unless you've received a waiver from SAG-AFTRA that says you are clearly an independent operator. You're not working under the aegis of any studio or network. And so we have granted those productions waivers to be able to work because we want to get back to work. Mm. So there are right now over 40 different productions that have applied and have received waivers to go work. So not only the, the actors, but our, our brothers and sisters and the Teamsters and IATSE and the WGA are able to then, um, you know, get back to work. How bad could this get? Well, it's pretty bad right now, if I'm honest. And there's been a lot of rancor and, and name calling and, and that sort of thing. And I'm my whole goal is to try to get away from that. So when we were out there this Tuesday uh, in Times Square, I noticed that, that our, our group was gathered uh, thousands and thousands of us in front of um, Good Morning America, which is ABC, which is Disney, which is Bob Iger. <laughs> and I wanted to present some thoughts to, to Mr. Iger, and that's why I addressed him that way, that I, I don't villainize him or any of the people that we've worked with over the years. They have a different point of view, and they look through this issue in, in, through a different lens than we do. And I, I want us to see if we can all understand that and accept that part of it and get back to the negotiating. I get residual checks from my Adam Sandler movies, and sometimes it costs more to send the check to my house than the yep. actual amount. I think I've gotten 13 cents before, so it costs more to send that to me. But I yeah. invested it well, that 13 cents. Very good. Yeah. Are you saying that 13 cents equates to the value of your talent on those movies? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Sandler Sandler reminds me of that. Um, If you have a line in a show, uh, who owns that line that you've said? Uh, Well, it's interesting. Uh, And um, 
I'm not able to to talk about any of of my personal work. But when when an actor. okay, hypothetical. uh, Yeah. When an actor quotes a line, it's written by uh, a WGA member, but it is basically owned by the studio that that pays the bills. Okay. yeah, I'm going to Ireland at the end of August. And I don't know if you have some free time. Will Farrell is going to join us. Notre Dame Navy football game. So I'm going to put that out there since you've been, you know, behind oh. me and, and, you know, so emotional with, you know, and then it's an unscripted show, obviously. When, when you're going at the end of August. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, my people have come from Ireland as well. And uh, up in the in a county called Armagh and it's up north. During the troubles, it was troubling because my my ancestors were Irish Catholic, but in a in a very Protestant Northern Ireland area, and um, I have heard a plethora of stories that are awfully disturbing. But it is a gorgeous, gorgeous country. Is that a yes? I, I I mean, there was an, there was you, you shook me off there. No, I didn't. I, I, I was just you didn't answer looking. I didn't. I didn't answer. I. I mean, I'm playing a little hard to get. I. I, I don't. A girl just doesn't say yes, Dan. Well, Will Ferrell did. I, well, he. You know what kind of girl he is. <laughs> very easy. Very yeah. easy. Very loose. Yes. <laughs> are you rec- are, are you allowed to talk about being recognized if you go overseas? Yeah. Where do you get recognized, or how do people recognize you when you're overseas? Usually it's my kind of Adonis physique that they recognize first. Um, I get it. You know, it's definitely uh, that show that that I've done uh, (laughs) gets the most recognition. And then after that, it was that other show. So you can't talk about Walter White, uh, Breaking Bad or Malcolm in the Middle, but you might be recognized for those two shows. Hypothetically. I would not say no to that okay. comment. No. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Isn't it crazy? I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, are you happy Otani is staying with the Angels? I think it's a good move. You know, what we saw last year with the Phillies getting all the way to the World Series, and I don't think there's anybody in the country that would say they were a better team than Atlanta, than San Diego, than the, you know, but they made it. They did it. So yeah. the the proof is in the pudding. If you can get your team in it, and then there's two factors that are always at at bay, and that is can you stay healthy? Can what's the what's the overall health of your team? And then the second thing is can you get hot? Are you hot at that moment for that stretch of games? If you can get hot, you <laughs> many things can happen. Is that a Rolex you have on? Is that the red, is. the red dot? So the one that they discontinued? Yeah. Well, this is, um, you know. Is that Aaron the 41, 41 millimeter? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah, they discontinued is, um, that. Yeah, they did. I don't Well, maybe because it doesn't keep time. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, well, you were in Times Square, so you, oh, you bought it in Times Square. Okay. Yeah, the guy said it was real. <laughs> it is real. It's real fake. Um, all right. So uh, if you want to join us in Ireland, 
I just throw it out there. But uh, if you don't, I certainly understand it. And, you know, maybe we could do something uh, together. Like, well, have some fun. uh, I already have a date at the end of August. I'm going to Maui because at the Four Seasons Maui, we're opening up a Dos Hombres Cucina. It's a a pop-up restaurant at the Four Seasons Maui. Dos Hombres Mezcal is the is the theme awesome and so it has we're combining mexican food with with hawaiian taste it's it's really fantastic and great cocktails so we'll be over there at the end of august okay we'll have fun without you we'll have cocktails in uh, in dublin with my new favorite it, actor will ferrell it also feels like a little bit like you know you ask a lot of other people and then finally come around to me dan if i no, it is I'm true. It. That is absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true. Um, I asked Aaron Paul before I asked you. I. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Really unbelievable. I know. I've known you much, much longer, and he doesn't know anything about sports. We met him at the Super Bowl. This was right. 2010 or 2011, and his dad came up and he said, hey, my son's in this show. And we were like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> no, he, 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 he told us the idea. He goes, yeah, you know, there's a, like a, a, a former teacher and a chemistry teacher, and then he makes uh, meth and then blah, 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 blah. And we we're like, oh, good luck with that show. <laughs> uh, thank you, Brian. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. And congratulations on the extension. Glad, thank you. Glad you're going to be around, buddy. Thank you, man. That's uh, Brian Cranston, actor. But apparently not like the Will Ferrell level of friend to this show. Yes. Do you think Brian felt like that was maybe more of an invitation? Like, hey, we're going to Dublin in a couple weeks. Want to (sighs) go? Okay. I don't want to put you on the spot where I go, hey, Will's going. You got to go. And then all of a sudden he's talking about, you know, his family grew up in Northern Ireland and he has no interest in going. Um, I probably could have sent him a note, but I decided that maybe I would embarrass him on national radio and TV. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. He's got other things going on. It would be nice if you wanted to go. I didn't invite Sandler. I just saw Sandler the other day. Yeah. I could have invited him, but I'm like, nah. I don't know we, if, we already got Will going, and yeah. then Will's going to be like, oh, wait, I thought that this was our thing. You're right. You're right. And then it's, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's you're tricky. bringing in Sandler. And why are you bringing in Sandler? This is tricky roads to navigate here, Dan. I know. I it's know. not easy. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beth in Texas. <laughs> Beth, good morning. Uh, Dalvin Cook is going to join us coming up. He Don- is expected in about five minutes or so. Oh, okay. I'll take uh, Beth's phone call, and then we'll take a break. Hey, Beth. Hi, how are you? Great, Beth. This is my, uh, I wanted to let you know, this is my first time watching your show independently. Oh. I live in a house where I've been working from home for about a year, and I've heard your theme song in the bedroom for a year, and uh, I've fallen in love with it, just listening to all of your banter and learning more about sports. And the second thing is, I agree with the guy from Idaho, one is good, two is bad. Well, thank you, Beth, and uh, we're glad to have you as a, a new fan of this program. I think there's a momentum of Todd singing one song and not two. Don't overstay your welcome there. But you know what? It's up to you. Whatever you decide. I'm going to take in all this information. 
what you want to wear, how you want to play this, you want to you know interact with the audience. It's up to you. I'm going to let you decide. Yes, Paul. Historically, Todd, historically, respectfully, historically, you're not known for punching out early. You're not known for cutting things in half. That is true. Okay. Once again, you make the decision, not me. We're going to take a break. Dalvin Cook set to join us next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This League Uncut, the new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes and me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What a a beautiful woman, beautiful voice. Wonderful voice. Yeah. 
He's uh, Dalvin Cook, the free agent running back, joining us from, I believe, where are you exactly, Dalvin? Are you in, in New York, in Manhattan? Yeah, I'm in Manhattan. <laughs> okay. Are you, where are you on your way to? Oh, I'm actually leaving Good Morning Football right now. Um, Want to grab some food, then that's about it. When do you, when do you visit the Jets? On Sunday. Ooh. When do you visit the Patriots? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> do you know if you're visiting the Patriots? No, I don't know yet. Okay, I mean, but you are visiting the Jets. Yes, I am. Does this feel like high school when you're being recruited? It does. Like, been in this position again. Um, it's fun just going through the process, but it definitely feels like high school again. Where do you want to play? It's a good question I'm still trying to answer right now. Um, that's why I'm taking this visit um, to figure things out, to kind of, you know, sort this thing up and figure that out. How many teams have reached out that you think are legitimate, leg- legitimately interested? Um, I think we got quite a few on the table that's legitimate. They, they've been reaching out. Um, Give me a number. number Give me a number. Like five, seven, nine? Probably about five teams. Okay, so about five. I think you should do it like in high school where you have three hats there. And and then you have a table, like you do a press conference, and then you go, and I'm going to pick up the Florida State hat. What do you think? That was pretty pretty good because I didn't get to do that when I was in high school. I actually went went to college early enrolled early so i didn't get to do the hat trick so that'll be pretty cool uh when's the last time you talked to aaron Rodgers? um two days ago you call him he call you um it was kind of um text message we he just sent me a text message just reaching out but dalvin he's given back money to the jets to be able to bring in players uh how far apart are you with the jets as far as money goes um, I, that's something I let my agent take care of. Um, but are you, you know, close? You know, are you close to, hey, if they do this, they get to this number, you got green on? Uh, I, I guess so. Um, I, I, let him, I let him do his job. You know, that's, what, that's, what he, that's what he do. I let him do his job. I just tell him that green equals green, if you know what I mean. I definitely know what you mean. Okay. Um, why, why are you still unsigned, though? Given what you've done, what you did last year, I mean, you all you do is rush for a thousand yards. I mean, uh, why are you on the outside looking in? Uh, I know what I bring to the table. Um, like you said, I know who Dalvin Cook is. You know, once the once the ball gets snapped, you know, it's on and popping. But like, I'm not trying to rush into a situation that's not right for Dalvin Cook. You know, a lot, I think that's what you see around the league a lot of time. People jump to the conclusion, and then don't be the right situation for them. So I'm just trying to. You know, weigh all my options and make sure I go into the right situation for me. Oh, you can't go third person, though. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> no, you can't go third person. You can't go Dalvin. Like, I don't say, you know, Dan Patrick, you know, would like for Dalvin Cook to be able to sign with the job. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> all right? So no third person. You can't do that. 
it's it's one of those things, man. Like like I said, <laughs> I bring I bring I bring I bring a lot of value to the team, and like I just don't want to like be in a situation that is not right for me and for my family. Oh, I know. I'm uh, just I'm having fun with you going third nah, person. Like like Barry Sanders could go third person. Okay. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Give me <That's> Barry. <laughs> who's the running back though that you admired the most growing up? Who had the biggest influence on you? Um, Marsha Falk. Oh, how come? Um, the way the way he, I think he pretty much started the versatile back, the three down back, you know, catching the ball at the backfield, you know, running those choice routes, you know, obviously you know what he did with the ball in his hand. I think I, I think I remind myself of him. Good. That's not a. He might be the smartest guy who's ever played the running back position, in my opinion. Uh, the whole month here with the running back position and getting paid here and. How does that impact you? Do you think? Um, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, I feel like I'm gonna get my value regardless of the position. I think the running back position is at a point where we're trying to get it back to where it needs to be at. But I don't know. How, I don't know how it impact me. I think that's what we're going to see coming up in these few weeks. I was wondering, what if we let running backs come out of college after their sophomore year? That'd be smart. I I had a productive sophomore year. I felt like I was ready to go. Okay. I felt like I was ready to go to the league. Well, I remember Marshall Falk his freshman year, or Adrian Peterson his freshman year, Leonard Fournette. Like it, you know, give you guys a head start here because you're going to take so much wear and tear, and the more wear and tear, then nobody wants to sign you. If you rush for two thousand yards, as Nick Chubb said, then nobody wants you because you've got two thousand yards on your body. So the the better you are, it's like it hurts you, it feels like, down the road of getting paid. Crazy. Nobody else in the sport is affected that way. Yeah, it's a weird position to be in because, like you say, if you're great at what you do at the position, they want to give you the ball 350 to 400 times a year, but then, you know, you run for 1,800 yards, and the next year, you know, you got too much on your body, and they don't want to give you the money. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a weird a weird position to be in. So you got to kind of time it up perfectly when you want to go be explosive. It's, you got to kind of play a the game. Uh, did Rogers offer you a guest room until you get your own place in New York? <laughs> I know I know he won Miami Miami chilling in the basement or something like that. Okay. <laughs> hey, you'll be roommates, you and Aaron Rodgers. It'll, it'll be great. Uh well, good luck this weekend, and thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you again. Appreciate you, Dan. That's uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Go to the Jets on Sunday. What do you wear? You know, cowboy hat, cowboy boots. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Different bet. Different bet. Well, that's a, my bad. I keep going back to Fritzy. Yes, Paul. Yeah, the Jets fans, if you hear radio in New York, they're fired up. They really want Cook. They, you know, they feel so close, and he's right there, and the money, there is a, a groundswell for him. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, he, he's produced. Be a great running back, and you have him, and then Reese Hall can kind of ease his way back into the lineup there. Um, Kirk D. Cousins will join us in the final hour of the program. That'd be great if he did the hats. That'd be a lot of fun. Ryan and Holla... Oh, boy. Ryan and Honolulu. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. I have... I have a rare compliment for Fritzy today. Ooh. But first of all, don't worry, I'm not in Connecticut anymore. 
Okay, I'm in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania right now. Good. Harrisburg, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I caught up for a beer with my buddy Ross Tucker. Oh, no. I mean, oh, okay. I'm waiting for Paulie's impersonation. It's time for you to leave. We're out of mustard and I'm out of patience. <laughs> all right, what's your Fritzy compliment? Uh, all right, well, look, I, as much as I'd love Fritzy to... Um, give us some content and bomb at the concert. I really think that he should wear what he wants and make him as comfortable as possible because the guy can actually sing. He's a good singer, and I want him to do well at this concert. But if he does everything he wants and then he bombs, that could be the best content of them all. Okay. Well, thank you, Ryan. There, I guess there's some support from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. Who was vying for your job. Privately, when he came That's to right. We can wink at that. He, he had good intentions just now. And, uh, yeah. Yes, nice. Pauling. Ryan knows about bombing in front of big audiences. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Parting shot. Wow. <laughs> He's out of the state. Uh, Mike in Fort Wayne. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind today? Good morning, Dan and Danette. Thanks for taking my call today. I am um, coming, coming to you asking for some advice. Mm. I have recently found out that I am going to be a first-time father. And my question, thank you so much. Thank you. My question is about supporting my wife. In your experience and in the Danette's experience, because I know there's a lot of experience here, what are some things you did that went really well in supporting your wife during her pregnancy and maybe what's something to avoid doing at all costs? Do not talk about how she looks if there is where she looks tired. Do not say that. Unless it's a compliment, but little things, just little things go a long way. That attention to detail is great, but wake up every day and think of her, especially later in the pregnancy. Think of her every single day of how do I make it a little bit better for her? And it could be a small thing. It could be flowers. It could be, hey, I got you lunch or whatever it might be. Just a little thing, because trust me, when you get into the delivery room, She will have forgotten about all of those nice little gestures for the most part. And you might get yelled at. And we can talk about that when you get closer to uh, D-Day. But uh, have a sense of humor. Be patient. And uh, always be thinking of her. Any other advice that anybody has? Yeah, Paul? Yeah, you really got most of it. I would say for the actual delivery part, set up the room a little bit. Things she likes. Things she needs. Things, something to eat that night or afterwards. Little things for the delivery, like the, the room in the hospital. Let's bring in Tom Berducci, baseball insider, MLB Network, Sports Illustrated senior writer, trade deadline underway until uh, Tuesday. Tom joining us on the program. You uh, reported that Shohei Otani no longer on the uh, trading block. Was he really on the trade block? Uh, theoretically, yes, which means they weren't shopping Otani. But if you're a general manager in this game, you're getting close to the deadline. At the time, the Angels were a little bit under 500. You'd be derelict in your duties not to pick up the phone and at least make the call. So, yes, calls were made. They asked about Otani. Some names were thrown around. They were all minor league prospects. Really no traction, no momentum. But, yes, there was some discussion about Otani, but really nothing to speak of in terms of anything uh, getting any traction. What kind of risk is Artie Moreno and the Angels running here? <laughs> I actually think his bigger risk, Dan, was trading Otani. 
and really turning off his fan base. Remember, he had more than $3 billion on the table of the offseason to sell the Angels, and he had seller's remorse. Why? Because it sounds corny, but he loves baseball. He loves sitting in the, in the owner's box and watching games in spring training the regular season, and he wanted to make another run for it. He's always been in love with star players. You can fault him for not developing farm systems and depth on the roster, but he loves star players. And he had a team that was, in this case, they won 6-7, to seven, over 500. At the time, four games out of the wild card. They're in the race. And for him to pull the plug on the season was a bigger risk. So the idea that the Angels would get, quote-unquote, nothing for Otani if he go, leaves as a free agent, that's ridiculous. They have the best player in baseball, most attractive player in terms of fan interest. And he's having what could be a historic season, and you still have a shot at the postseason. You can't give that up, and that's not nothing. Yeah, but I just wonder, there's other teams that are going to have far more money than the Angels and Artie Moreno do. And then you do run the risk of not getting anything from him in the offseason. The likelihood of finding somebody who's going to bid more than Artie Moreno is what, in your opinion? Yeah, it's likely. I don't think the Angels are going to be the high bidder, but... I'll tell you this, if they traded him, they have zero shot of keeping him. Their only way of keeping him is he sees this team has turned a corner. They're actually competitive. Maybe they actually get into the postseason. Um, The pickup of Lucas Giolito puts the Angels over the luxury tax limit for only the second time that Moreno is on the team. So they're signaling here that we've got a pretty good team. We're making a run for it. We're all in. That's all good. Otani wants to win. Uh, You have the power of incumbency, and the minute you trade him, you lose that. Now, in an auction atmosphere, do I think the Angels will bid more than the Dodgers? No. I think the Dodgers are going to offer Otani everything that he wants, which is the most money. Uh, Southern California, great weather to do his two-way thing, which is super important for a guy who's very, very routine-oriented, like a lot of great players, but especially so for Shohei. Um, and he doesn't want to be like that lead star guy that, you know, listen, he does everything on his own with the Angels, Dan. You know, he's on his own program because there's nobody like him. There's no script to follow. Uh, media obligations, he does only what he wants to do. And I, he's in a very comfortable spot. So I think the Angels have a shot at keeping him, but I do not expect they'll be the high bidder. No. I wonder if the Shohei Otani effect will be felt maybe 15 years down the road where we look back and say, look at all of these two-way players. That he, that can, is he going to hatch like this subculture of guys who want to do exactly what he's doing at this level? He will hatch the idea that teams now will consider it. Okay. But you will not see another Otani. He is so good at doing both disciplines, the hitting and the pitching. Um, he really is the unicorn. So there, there, there will not be certainly a flood of Otanis. There'll never be another Otani. You may have some guys who are talented enough that when they're in the minor league season, teams will keep their options open on whether the guy is a pitcher or a hitter. And if he's talented enough, maybe they do it at the big league level. But I'll go back when he was in high school, Dan. The Dodgers, everybody thought he was going to sign with the Dodgers in high school. And actually, it was the manager of the fighters over in Japan who said, listen, if you sign with the U.S. team, they will pigeonhole you as a pitcher or a hitter. If you sign with us, you can take a path nobody else has taken before, and that's to be a two-way player. I mean, think about that. That changed history. Wait, right was there. that true, though, that the Dodgers were going to say, we want you as either a pitcher or a hitter? 
No, I think the message was it's the way the major leagues operate. They're okay. really not open to the idea of doing both. I think to sign Otani at a high school, you say, hey, whatever you want, dude, we're going to give it to you. <laughs> um, any other Nolan Arenado to the Dodgers, uh, that front burner, back burner? Uh, that's That's got something to it, Dan. There's some legs here. It's a great fit because the Cardinals have Nolan Gorman, whose best position is third base. He can slide over there. He's not Arenado, but young player. What a breakout year this year, much more suited for third base. Arenado, as you know, from Southern California, would love to play for the Dodgers. He's got a no trade. It's not a problem for him to drop that. It's a four-year contract with just $92 million left on that. So there's still plenty of room to get Shohei Otani as a free agent. Third base has been a problem for them defensively this year. Max Munson has been a problem at third base. I think this makes a lot of sense. The Dodgers are just absolutely rich with guys, pitchers who have swing and miss stuff. That's exactly what the Cardinals need. Now, this could get even bigger. You're talking about maybe the Dodgers wanting Jordan Montgomery or Jack Flaherty. Uh, Flaherty being another L.A. guy coming home. Uh, you could have Chris Taylor or Max Muncy going to St. Louis as part of this deal. It could be along the lines of that Scherzer-Trey Turner deal the Dodgers made a couple of years ago where it turns out to be a true blockbuster. I know you're busy over the next couple of days. Always great to catch up with you, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, always fun, Dan. Thank you. Tom Berducci, MLB insider, also works for uh, Sports Illustrated as a senior writer. Uh Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls coming. Oh, look at that. Kirk D. Cousins set to join us. The uh, Minnesota Vikings quarterback and star of the Netflix series. He joins us on the program. What did you think when Netflix came to you and said, hey, we want to do this with you, Marcus Mariota, and Patrick Mahomes? I had a lot of questions, Dan. <laughs> uh, the, big, the big one that made me feel comfortable is they said, you'll have the ability on the back end to approve the content. And I said, okay, because I've been burned a lot <laughs> in the past when you know people uh, have access and then you don't get to see what they do with it and then they take it a direction you didn't think was, was happening. So the chance to see the content, approve it, was a big deal. And then the fact that NFL Films was the was – the, you know, the middleman, if you will, filming it and editing it. I just felt there was a lot of trust there, knowing that they would know how to handle it, how to do it. And then a big one was just their ability to do it in a way that was non-intrusive so that people in our organization didn't feel like it was obnoxious or in their way or affecting our our team as we went through the season. So it was done in a, in a great way. couldn't have been done better. And um, obviously, when you have a positive season, win the division, have a lot of close wins, it made for a great story. So, um, you know, at first I was a little, like I said, I had a lot of questions, but uh, a lot of those questions got answered quickly. And I thought, what the heck, let's do it. What's uh, the reaction been from the family? Oh, it's been great. I think they've enjoyed, it's funny because we talk about how fans have been able to see a little bit more behind the scenes, but it doesn't stop there. It's really family, too. Uh, I tell them a lot, you know, they're around a lot, but there's still so much that they don't see, don't know, aren't a part of. And I think even they watching it, you know, my brother, my parents, my sister, they all say, boy, we didn't realize it was like that or like (laughs) this. So it's been a real positive thing. Got a lot of good feedback and, um, you know, it was a privilege to be a part of it. Yeah, it it humanized you, which is kind of strange. We don't we look at you as a quarterback, not a person, and then this allows us to see the person behind the quarterback who who is the quarterback. Yeah, no doubt. I think that was part of the goal was to allow people to see all that goes into it and um and the impact it can have when you win, the impact it can have when you lose and how it affects you and and you know, fans get a great look in for three hours on Sunday, but to give them a look in the rest of the week, I think, is really cool. And, um, you know, Netflix had other sports shows that have done well, whether it was the Formula One, the tennis, the golf. And I think it was time for, you know, the NFL and football to get out there as well. And so this was a great way to be able to do it. Mahomes' language, though, is a little shaky if you got the kids around watching this. <laughs> well, he's an awesome guy and uh, really enjoyed getting around him. The couple of times I've been around him, especially at the premiere that we had a few weeks ago, but as we left the theater, uh, he, he put his arm around me and kind of joked. He said, yeah, I got to clean up the language. <laughs> I laughed. I said, you're good, man. You know, I'm, I'm in an NFL locker room just like you are. And honestly, it, uh, you know, it may not be the best thing, but it probably is a more accurate reflection of what it's like in the NFL than, uh, than if it was all PG. So, uh, um, you know, he was the first to say it and, uh, I'll probably wait a f- couple years to show it to my boys because of that but you better believe they'll be seeing it at some point <laughs> have you ever said you know watch the language during a game if if somebody's using any kind of language <laughs> what a great question i've never been asked that uh no i've never told anybody to mind their language uh 
Oh, that's not a bad idea, Dan. Maybe we could start doing that. I could be, the, you know, people tell me I dress like a dad. I act like a dad. I could just carry that over to just, you know, telling everybody they're potty mouth. But, uh, no, you know, and even it, I'll slip out of me too, you know, when, when, uh, you get frustrated, you better believe that there's some words that come out that I regret. So it's a part of, uh, you know, part of the grind of football and, uh, you know, certainly you, you try not to make it a habit. What did you think when uh, Aaron Rodgers left the div- uh, division? Well, the neighborhood changed a little bit. You know, I remember when I first signed in the NFC North in uh, 2018, and and you know that you know there's a guy named Aaron Rodgers. You know, one state over, who's who's pretty good. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, I thought he was always a, a great challenge to go against. In a way, it was really fun. You know, going against one of the best to ever do it twice a year. Um, you know, I, I thought that was a real privilege. And then now that he's moved on, I think you're always interested to see, okay, you know, what's next. And it's not just, it's not just Green Bay with Jordan Love, but I think even Chicago with Justin Fields, you know, you see the talent and the ability and, and, uh, and then what Detroit is doing in this year that Jared Goff and their offense had last year, you know, you realize there's a lot of up and coming players and I've been around this league long enough to see how, you know, the next stars are coming the minute uh, a Rivers retires, there's a Justin Herbert on the way. So, um, you know, I, you know that to be true, too, in your own division. Talking to Kurt Cousins, Vikings quarterback, we had uh, Steve Young on a couple of days ago, and he said the days of Peyton Manning and Dan Marino, that kind of quarterback, those are long gone, that we won't have the pure pocket-passing quarterback. What do you think? So I've asked that same question to many people because I happen to be a pocket passing quarterback. Yes. So I'd like to know if my I'd like to know if my job's going to be extinct. So uh, so so uh, Matt Cavanaugh, who played 14 years, I think he might have played with Steve Young or coached with Steve Young. Um, you know, he was my quarterback coach in Washington. So I asked Cav. I said, you know, you think the days of like being a pocket passer are over? And this was years ago. And he said, Kirk. You know, certainly being able to move around is an asset, but he said if you can't, from the pocket, go through a progression, see cover, see the field, recognize protections and blitzes, and throw with accuracy, it doesn't matter what else you can do. And if you can do those other things, that's a big if, then absolutely, to have that other ability is an added bonus. But he said you better be able to throw with accuracy and do all the things that pocket passers who are elite can do. And I think that was a great point, that at the foundation of it all is you got to be a pocket passer. And if you can do that, then add that trait, and I think that's a huge bonus. And I even asked that question of a, of a, of a retired quarterback this offseason that I met with. I said, you know, do I need to become more of a, of a runner and, and, uh, and an off-schedule player? So that's an area of my game I'm always trying to improve. And he said, well, he said, I knew when I hurt my knee, I could still go out and throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. But if I was a running quarterback and I hurt my knee, I really wouldn't be able to be the guy that, Mm. you know, I was being paid to be. And so he said, really, from the salary cap perspective, from a strategic perspective, quarterbacks can still be a great pocket passer even when they're beat up. But it's hard to be that elite off-schedule runner and playmaker if you're beat up. And so he said, I always felt like it was better for my team if I knew I could throw from the pocket because of what I could do even if I was beat up. Help me understand the context of this. Justin Jefferson was asked about the top five quarterbacks or didn't include you in the top five quarterbacks, and then your reaction to that was, hey, he's got his opinion. Do I have that right? Yeah, I didn't even see the context either. I didn't see how he was asked it or what his response was. I'm sure he's just shooting from the hip. And uh, I know that I'd love to have a year together with him where next year, 
when he lists off the top five, <laughs> you know, my name comes to the top of his mind right away. But, but uh, do you think you're a top five quarterback? Uh, I think it's a good question. I think it's a little bit where, and this, this is uh, something I even say would be debatable. I, I look at it and I go, there's a little bit of like Mahomes at the top. And then there's like a lot of other guys down to like much deeper than five, if you will. And then there's kind of another, there's another, uh, you know, deal where you got guys who are developing and working their way through it. I think we all have great games. We all have the clunker games. And, um, you know, I, I think that um, quarterbacking is so much about winning and you got to win football games to kind of get put into that upper tier of being a top five guy. And, you know, we, we were in the playoffs last year. We lost our, our first playoff game. And so it's hard to be put in that category if you're not playing in conference championship games and playing in Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls. And so that's really where, you know, for me, it's all about winning and team. And I think, to get I think you're stalling. You're stalling on giving me an answer there. You know, Dan, I don't think it's very um, helpful for me in any way to give you a direct answer there. You're welcome to ask the question, but I'm, I've been around the block enough to know okay. that uh, All right. it doesn't help me much. <laughs> Veteran maneuver. If Netflix asks you, are you going to answer their question? Well, I, Dan, Dan, I have a right to edit all the time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, well, uh, always great to talk to you. Hope family's good, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Kirk D. Cousins joining us. I was wondering if he would say, yeah, I'm a top five quarterback. We're trying to make some headlines here. Uh, the language that's in there, you know, with Patrick Mahomes. I could imagine, you know, I forget who it was who said that they did correct somebody or ask somebody not to use that language during a game. And I don't remember who the player was that we had on. Maybe it was Philip Rivers. But it feels like Philip Rivers may use that language sometimes when you watch him. Like, he's so demonstrative where you go, man, I didn't know he spoke that way. Yeah, Paulie? I think Phil Rivers is a dadgummit guy. Yeah. A gosh darn dadgummit oh, yeah. guy. Yeah, he's very religious. But that's why when you watch him, sometimes when you're watching somebody say something, you go, oh, my God. I don't know. I'd hate to be on the receiving end of that. But if you're going, gosh darn it. Dad gummit! That doesn't really bother me. Like, I'm okay. Bobby Bowden. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.